You're listening to Gift Biz Unwrapped, episode 155. 99.9% of all the stuff that needs to get done in your business, you are like the worst person to be doing it. Attention gifters, bakers, crafters, and makers. Pursuing your dream can be fun. Whether you have an established business or are looking to start one now, you are in the right place. This is Gift Biz Unwrapped, helping you turn your skill into a flourishing business. Join us for an episode packed full of invaluable guidance, resources, and the support you need to grow your gift biz. Here is your host, Gift Biz Gal, Sue Monheit. I cannot wait to get into the show today because Kelly has such valuable tips for building your team and growing your business, and particularly watch for her productivity tip that she presents at the end of the show. It's fabulous. I also wanted to remind you that if you have any comments for me, I would love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me through the email sue at giftbizunwrapped.com. Any thoughts, any comments on the show, anyone you'd like to listen to, just send me a message there. Today, I have the pleasure of introducing you to Kelly Roach of Kelly Roach Coaching. Kelly is the host of the top-rated podcast, Unstoppable Success Radio, an international best-selling author and the CEO of Kelly Roach Coaching. As a former NFL cheerleader and Fortune 500 executive, Kelly brings a powerful combination of proven and profitable business growth strategies. This is coupled with the mindset, wellness, and productivity practices required to help entrepreneurs build a profitable business around a life they absolutely love. Kelly's passion and purpose is in helping entrepreneurs around the world achieve exponential profit, sales, and income growth. Well, Kelly, from one former NFL cheerleader to another, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here, Sue. So thrilled that you're here. We start out by having you introduce yourself in a little bit of a different way, and that is through describing a motivational candle that really is applicable to everything that you're all about. So if you were to tell us what your candle would look like, what color would it be and what would be the quote on your motivational candle? Oh, I love that question. I'm laughing because it's just so fun that you start the show this way. So I think if I were a motivational candle, I would be in a glass encasement and I would probably have a little bit of a curve, a little bit fancy, a little bit of elegance and beauty to it. But I would still be probably a decent sized thick round candle. So still has a common sense everyday use to it, but just a little bit of flair, a little curvature, something with a little bit of taste added to it. And I think my quote on the front of myself as a candle would just say, be the best in everything that you do. Every day is a new opportunity to take life and make the absolute most of it. Perfect. And I love the fact that you added the style to your candle. So it's not just an ordinary (laughs) candle. And I note that you didn't tell me the color. You're just telling me the style, the shape, the look of it. So just to be a little different, right? I left a little bit to the imagination. There you go. (laughs) Well, give us a little bit more information about your journey and where you're coming from as you progressed into Kelly Roach coaching. Yeah, absolutely. So my background, I was working for a Fortune 500 firm. I was doing sales and marketing and recruiting and very quickly within like less than a year, I was promoted into management. And from there, I just kind of sprung my way upward. I was promoted seven times in eight years 
And I was ultimately leading a team of 100 people in 17 different locations. So it was almost like running 17 different little small businesses, each with their own profit and loss statement, each with their own team, their own staff, their own budget, all of that. And that's really where I fell in love with leadership and developing people and teaching and coaching and training on sales and pricing and marketing. And I really kind of got my chops back in corporate learning to do that. And being responsible for a $50 million budget definitely helped me grow up really fast, I guess you could say, from a business standpoint, because I did all of that pretty much in my 20s. But as I got a little bit older, I met my husband. I knew we were going to want to get married. I was thinking about my future and what mattered most to me. I really began to realize that no matter how many times I got promoted in a corporate setting, I was never going to be able to bring together my core values, which were freedom and financial abundance and flexibility. And one of our big goals and dreams was always to travel and to really be able to have our kids be home with us and all of that. And so it just became very obvious over time that I wasn't going to find all of those things working for someone else. I needed to kind of go out and create that for myself. So that's where the whole idea of Kelly Roach Coaching came from just basically took everything that I had learned and reshaped it and refocused it in to design programs to help entrepreneurs to grow their businesses quickly. I specifically wanted to focus on small business owners because I knew that different from my time for the Fortune 500 that was helping one corporation make millions of dollars from the work that I was doing. Every time I helped a small business owner grow, it would have an impact on their family, their kids, their ability to have this great quality of life, take vacations, make priority what was most important to them. And and so that was kind of the meaning behind the work that I was doing. And it's just been a great journey. And I have an amazing team behind me now and the company has just kind of grown and grown and grown since 2012 when I started it. And yeah, that's a little bit about how I got to what I'm doing here today. What you're saying, I really love in terms of your ability to impact is so much closer to the final result. And the rewards of what you're doing and teaching smaller businesses and entrepreneurs, I think is so much more valuable because you really are bringing it down to a very, very personal level, helping people be successful with their businesses. And of course, then achieving pretty much what you were able to achieve, success, financial freedom, the ability to travel, create your own time, et cetera. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, it's that, it's being so close to it and it's knowing that there's meaning behind the work that you're doing. And for me, like when I get success stories from my clients, they're like, I just paid off all all of my debt or we're going to be able to take that vacation that we dreamed of or I can finally hire staff. And one of the really cool things about a lot of the work that I'm doing now is over the last year, the business has really shifted into helping entrepreneurs with building their teams. And I've shifted a lot of my focus into teaching entrepreneurs how to be good leaders and how to teach their teams how to sell and market and serve for them so the business owner can actually create that freedom. Because what I found was that like 99% of business owners had no freedom. And a lot of it was because either A, they didn't know how to manage the team that they had effectively, or B, they didn't have a team at all. And what's really cool about that is on one hand, I'm helping business owners to create and achieve freedom for themselves. But on the other hand, it's actually driving our economy, like it's creating new jobs for people, which is I don't think as entrepreneurs that we really think about the impact that we have on a global scale or on a national scale. But when entrepreneurs become successful enough to hire people in their businesses, you're creating a job and a paycheck for a family. So then your impact goes beyond growing your own business to now impacting the greater world around you in ways that you don't even realize, which is really, really cool. To me, it is at least. Yeah, I mean, it's a great perspective that you share that. 
But I'm going to back up a little bit because I think a lot of entrepreneurs, especially in our space where we have a lot of makers and creators here, but I'd almost say it's general to all entrepreneurs, we come in as the super power women, right? And we say, we're going to be able to do everything and I will sacrifice and put in all the time and do every single thing from accounting to product creation, to sales, to marketing, to technology, all of that and save the money, so you think, to build the business. And I think that's a big hurdle that people have to overcome is there comes a point where for you to grow your business at all, you're going to have to build a team. It can't just be a one-man show anymore. Oh, absolutely. And I think the thing that that's so interesting about that mindset, well, there's a couple different things. First of all, and I joke with my own team about this all the time, 99.9% of all the stuff that needs to get done in your business, you are like the worst person to be doing it. <laughs> I agree. Either you're just flat out not good at it, or you spend too much time on it, or it's just not in your skill set. If you think about all the things that it takes to run a successful business, there's dozens and dozens of different mindsets, skill sets, perspectives, mentalities required to run a successful company. So anytime you have one person that's trying to cross over all of these different skill sets, of course, there's massive inefficiencies and ineffectiveness, which is actually causing you to go backwards instead of forward. So people think like, oh, I'm saving myself money by not spending the money to get a team member when in fact you're costing yourself thousands and thousands of dollars in growth every single month because you're just not the best person to be doing the job that you're doing for a multitude of reasons. So how do you start thinking about building a team? Obviously, when you're just starting a business, you are a one-man show at first. What's the trigger and at what point? Is it a financial thing? Is it a certain sales number? Or at what point would you trigger adding in and starting to build a team? Well, I think first and foremost, having a flexible mindset about the way that you build a team and the way that you construct this is really important. In the beginning, you are not going to need a full-time person doing any one of the roles in your business. So in most instances, the first step of getting help is going to bring in some type of contractor. And a lot of times, the easiest, most obvious thing that can allow you to grow more quickly is to get all of the administrative and admin stuff off of your plate, which someone on an hourly basis can do for you in just a couple hours a week. And so that is like usually the first and best step. And what I always say to people is it's really not a financial decision of where you are so much as it's a commitment to yourself that whatever hours you hire someone to come in and take over admin and operational things for you, that you are then going to dedicate those hours to selling and marketing your business, at which point it's not going to cost you anything to have that person. The place where we kind of get ourselves into trouble, Sue, is if you hire that person to take on all the admin and operation stuff, and then you still keep doing non-revenue producing things, well, yeah, then you are going to be in the hole, right? Exactly. And I'm so glad you brought that up because we talk about freedom and all that doesn't mean that you add someone in and then you have time to go and have lunch with your girlfriends. Exactly. It's a process. Yes. Yeah. And exactly what you're saying, I agree with you wholeheartedly, is that you have to then be directing yourself into activities that you, as the owner of your business, should be doing, which is business growth, revenue generating activities. 
Exactly. And I think that, and especially I know we're talking to a lot of craft makers and people that are really passionate about creating and providing a really special, unique product. And I think the thing that can be really, really tough when you are a creative and when you are someone that really puts a lot of love and investment into creating something really special to sell is that you really want to spend your time and attention on your craft. And one of the most important mindset shifts, if you want to create freedom and you want to actually make really good money from your business is to recognize that your craft as a business owner moves from the thing that you do to coaching and developing people so that you can multiply the amount of product that you can move and the amount of people that you can serve. And that's a really tough bridge sometimes for people to cross. But what you have to ask yourself is, are you more invested in doing the craft at which point you can get a job doing the craft or you can work part-time for someone else doing the craft and having that be like your sole focus? Or are you more interested in the end result of what being a business owner can create for you, which is the freedom, it's the financial abundance, it's the flexibility, all of that, at which point you have to really embrace crossing that bridge over into leadership and people development and really focusing your time and energy on learning the craft of sales and marketing so that your business can run like a well-oiled machine and continue to grow. And I think the mindset gift biz listeners too could be, at first it's like, well, nobody can make my product as well as I can. That's the mindset we all have because it's your design, it's your talents, et cetera. But just as Kelly is talking about, perhaps a way to think of this that would be acceptable to you is you are the designer. So all of the products that are going out are your design, your creative input in terms of how it comes together and what the finished product looks like. All of that in terms of the production can be lovingly taught to other people. And in doing so, you're able to get your fabulous product into more hands of more people and then growing your company. Exactly. And you're right. What I always say to people is there's a difference between a producer versus the thinker. And the business owner, the CEO, really needs to be the thinker, the visionary, the person that's overseeing everything that's done, that's kind of at the top of the ship looking out to make sure you don't hit any icebergs, right? So if you're down underneath in the workshop and you're creating the product, it's going to be really hard for you to be out front making sure that this whole ship is pointed in the right direction and is going to make its way safely to the destination that you're going to try to arrive at. Does that make sense? Yes, and I love that description. It's perfect. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit more about replacing the activities too. You're talking about being the driver. I think when you have that backup, you have people doing the admin things, different types of things that come to mind to me, Kelly, and I'm going to have you expand on this, is the types of activities you should be talking about, not necessarily going into social media, but going out into networking or not posting on social media necessarily, but making contacts on social media in face-to-face, real live, that scary networking type thing, connecting up with potential clients, negotiating deals if you're a wholesaler. Those are more revenue generating activities. That's what you would replace doing your financials or at some point making your product, et cetera. Are there any other types of tasks just so our audience can get a little bit more of a feel for the types of tasks they should be doing that fall in the appropriate column? Would you add anything else to that, Kelly? Yeah, well, I mean, I think you make a really good point there, Sue. So something interesting I'll just share. Obviously, we use social media 
social media is a huge driver. I'm a completely online business, except for my corporate clients that I work with. And so for us, social is huge. And there have been big, big changes to social in the last year and even more so in the last six months. One of the things that we just did in my company was we completely eliminated all social media automation for posting. So back in the day, it was like top of mind awareness, preload all these posts, just stay in front of your audience. That doesn't work anymore, right? People now want engagement. They are much more interested in seeing you, feeling you, and interacting with you on a one-on-one basis. So when you think of social or you think of making connections to grow your business, whether it's you pursuing wholesale accounts where you're going to physically go out and drop by with goodies, like I have my team go out to a target list of 20 key corporate customers that we're pursuing every single week. And they put together goodies and they have flyers and handwritten notes and they make these beautiful presentations. And they go out every single week. And that's how we target our corporate clients. And then, of course, we have other team members that call them and email them and all of that. On the online side, it's really about engagement. So it's one-to-one interaction, whether it's messaging on Instagram or messaging on Facebook or messaging on LinkedIn, or whether it's you live streaming, actually demonstrating and showing one of your beautiful products that your team or that yourself just finished creating and talking about it and actually just selling it on air. I mean, look at QVC, right? What do they do? They demonstrate beautiful handcrafted products and they live stream and sell them. That is exactly now what you guys as craft makers have the opportunity to do all day, every day for free from the comfort of your own home. So it's about leveraging technology in a meaningful way. It's about driving engagement and spending your time closest to the money, which is going to be interacting with people, whether that's face-to-face in person or utilizing the online space and the new technology that's now available for us. Could not have said it any better, Callie. Perfect. (laughs) Let's also talk a little bit about pivoting, which is, I know, one of the topics that you pay a lot of attention to. Tell us overall what pivoting means in a business, and then we'll get into some further conversation, I'm sure, in terms of when you do that and all. Yeah, absolutely. So pivoting is really the art of being able to assess in a non-emotional way what's working and what's not, and when it's time to make strategic changes in your business. And pivoting is very different from hopping from tactic to tactic every other week because you don't have the patience to follow through on something long enough to actually see a result. So I just want to put that out there right away because these are two very opposite ends of the spectrum and it's really important not to confuse them. On one hand, in order to even use pivoting as a strategy in your business, you have to have the patience to implement a strategy or tactic for long enough and with enough intensity and precision to know that it's working or not working so that you even can assess it to make strategic changes. But when I think about pivoting, what I think about is the fact that our business climate is changing very, very rapidly, more rapidly than ever. I mean, literally month to month, things are changing, especially in the online space now. And pivoting is really being like cognizant and aware of what you're doing to grow, what you're doing to achieve success, and knowing when it's time to make a strategic and well thought out change in your business. So it's like if something lived out its life cycle, and it's time to upgrade or change the strategy that you're using to accomplish that goal, or if a technology changes. So I just gave an example of pivoting. So for us, a pivot that we made just about two months ago was we eliminated all social media automation and we switched completely to live streaming and singular posts that are really well crafted to drive engagement. 
right after we hear from our sponsor, Kelly breaks down exactly what she's doing with live streaming on social and the results that she's getting. This podcast is made possible thanks to the support of the Ribbon Print Company. Create custom ribbons right in your store or craft studio in seconds. Visit theribbonprintcompany.com for more information. So we're posting a lot less frequently, but we're getting higher engagement on the things that we're posting. And we're really focusing in, my team is spending a lot of time doing one-to-one engagement in messaging campaigns on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. That's an example of pivoting because what worked a couple years ago when there was free organic reach no longer works today because now the spectrum of content has gotten so saturated and the automation of posting has really destroyed the newsfeed in terms of the integrity of what's being put out there. So you really have to take it to the next level if you want to stand out and actually get results from what you're posting versus just going through the motions and doing it. That's like a perfect example of what I'm talking about here when I say pivoting. Right. And for sure, the advancement of live and the prioritization that anything live gives you, whether it's Instagram stories, Facebook Live, whatever. And we've talked a lot about that here. So our audience is pretty well acquainted with all of that. But the thing I want to reinforce and underline that you said, Kelly, that I think is really important and somewhere where people kind of drop off is pivoting needs to be from a strategic perspective. You were doing something one way, it's either run its life cycle or it's the situation has changed. So as you're talking about with social media, it's time for a change to stay up with the times and be relevant. But then also the measurement aspect, like not just to change for change itself, but why are you changing? And then how are you going to measure if what you've just done is working? And you should do all of that. I'm thinking, Kelly, before you even make that change, think it all the way through. Oh, absolutely. I mean, imagine just with this shift that we just made, like imagine how much time and thought we were talking about that for weeks and really assess that decision before making it. And you don't want to get caught in indecision, but you absolutely need to assess and it needs to be strategic and not emotional. And you have to know what result you want by doing it. It's not worth even making the change unless you're going to invest in really truly bringing it full circle and getting an improved bottom line profitable result from what you're doing. Right. And how long do you think you wait to see if the change has made any impact? Usually when you're making a strategic pivot like that, you should start to see results very quickly. I mean, I would expect to see results within a matter of weeks. However, I will give the caveat that you also cannot manage things at a micro level like that. So for example, I think you mentioned that you guys have talked about live streaming here a lot. We teach live streaming and I'll have a lot of customers that will come and say, I've been doing live streaming every week for two months and I haven't gotten a client from it yet. And I'm like, how often are you live streaming? I'm like, you didn't even get to your 16 touches yet. It takes momentum. It takes continuity. It takes a lot of focus on promotion and distribution, all of that to take a new strategy and go from zero to profitability. So on one hand, when you're making a strategic change in an area that you've already had success, making that change should start to produce results pretty quickly. Whereas if you're doing something new or for the first time and you yourself are just learning it, I mean, it could be six months plus of you needing to do that consistently and repetitively before you're seeing real tangible results. And sometimes you need to use your judgment. And other times that's why it's good to work with a mentor or a coach, someone that can realistically give you feedback on what you're doing and say, 
this isn't working. You need to change this, this, and this in order to get results. Or what you're doing is effective. You just need to stick with it. You haven't been doing it long enough. You know what I'm saying? Right. And I guess it depends on what the topic is, too, what you're actually doing. Exactly. And Gift Biz listeners, the idea comes to mind for me about this, too, is your product and the relevance of your product as time changes. And the whole idea of pivoting is pertinent here too. If your product is something that's no longer viable, no longer something that an audience is looking at, pivoting in terms of an adjustment, a switch, a different version, or an extension of your base product may be in order. Something that we can all relate to, DVDs, <laughs> you know, Blockbuster, it's over. Had they thought of pivoting and changing and adjusting their product, they may still be in business. Think of that also with your product. Really important for the longevity of your business. Is it still relevant? If you are a soap maker or essential oil, something like that, is there a scent that's really popular right now that you should be adding? That could be, I guess, a minor pivot. I would call that one, Kelly. But it's not just what you're doing in your business, but also how pivoting could relate to your product. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it can be on a small scale or it can be on a very big scale. I mean, if you look at what has happened with retailers over the last couple of years, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of stores closed, thousands and thousands and thousands of people out of work. And you ask yourself, why? Why did that happen? Well, it happened because they did not pivot to proactively going out and getting customers. They were still relying on customers coming to them, period, end of story. And because they were not able to pivot effectively or waited too long to begin that process, they just got kind of swept away with the tide. So it's important to keep your hand on the trigger and be on the lookout. And that's why I gave the analogy of being on the top of the ship and making sure you're not going to run into an iceberg. Because if you're down under, you can't even see. You got your head down working. You're not even looking around you to see, oh my gosh, my whole industry is changing. My whole space is changing. If I don't change, I'm going to be out of business pretty soon, right? Such an important point because we can get so mired in the Facebook Live topics like we were talking about, which is super important. But in terms of your whole industry, what is happening? What are the trends? What is going on? And if you're not looking from the upper level, you're going to miss it. Exactly. So obviously, people can find out this information through podcasts, through industry-specific Facebook groups, possibly, or periodicals, I would say, like journals or online resources within their industry. Where else can you give us any clues or tips of where you would go just to make sure you're keeping in touch with all those top-line topics? Well, look within your own business as well. Right. So if you found that a year ago you were selling something like hotcakes and now it's not selling anymore, you got to dig into that. I find that a lot of businesses don't do a lot of internal reporting, especially when they're small. They feel like they're too small to be focused on tracking and measuring and doing analysis. And a business is never too small to be doing tracking and analysis. You can know that some of these trends are happening within your own business just by tracking and measuring and paying attention to changes that are happening. And so that's why you know where every single customer is coming from, right? Know how many repeat sales you're getting on average per customer per year. Know what your average spend per customer and for the lifetime spend of a customer is. Know what your sources are. Know where your traffic is coming from, right? Like all of those things are going to give you huge indicators of what's working and what's not. But yeah, I agree. I mean, you can look around you. And one of the things that I would mention there, Sue, that I think is really important is not just looking within your own industry. 
I think looking outside of your industry and paying attention to trends overall and seeing what you need to be doing with your product or service that is working really well in another industry that could also be working for you. Because sometimes if you only follow the big players in your own space, they're slower at picking it up than you are. And you could go right over the cliff trying to model what you see them doing. You have to remember a lot of times bigger companies move slower and are slower to adapt change because they're bloated and they're like kind of dinosaurs. That's why so many big companies are hiring entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial companies to help them work on their adaptability and speed. So you don't want to just look within your own industry. You really want to look at the bigger world around you and always be asking yourself, what can I learn from this? How does this relate to me? Yeah. And I also think that by looking at outside of your industry, you're going to see other things that maybe no one else in your industry is doing to impact sales yet, that you could be the first one. You're bringing something new and special to your own industry. Exactly. Okay, so you rattled off a minute ago and gift biz listeners, you can go back and listen to this again in terms of the different types of things that you can be looking at and reporting on. And I'd say monthly, right, Kelly? You should be looking at these numbers monthly. Absolutely. Overall sales, customer acquisition. I won't repeat all the lists that you gave, but really important. But I think that could be overwhelming for a lot of people here. What would be your top three things if someone was just starting out? The very top three things that you think that someone should track every month? Yeah. So I think where your clients are coming from. So every client that comes into your business should be tagged with the source of where they came from. Absolutely critical because as your business grows, you want to know where to invest your time and money as far as where you're going to be able to get your growth from. And you want to align where you invest for growth with the thing that's going to produce the fastest, most lucrative return. So where each customer is coming from, number one. Number two, what you're spending money on and what return you're getting from that. So that when you're investing in something and you're not getting a return, you can redirect that money into something else that will produce a return. And then number three, I would just pay attention to the trends that are happening overall, especially with social media and with what people are doing to sell online, which the vast majority of buying is happening online now. And really looking at what are you doing versus where kind of the group consciousness is, where the public consciousness is, and what do you need to do to get your business in a place to be successful, leveraging some of the easiest, most obvious places that people are spending their time and their money. Perfect. Okay, just to summarize for everybody, what Kelly's suggesting in terms of tracking, if you've never done it before, start with this. Number one, where your customers are coming from. Number two, the ROI of your investment. And I'm going to add on something here, and that is you may make an investment, let's say, in being a member of your local chamber. You have to be working it. If you're a part of your local chamber and you're not getting the return for that before you drop it, have you been going to networking meetings? Have you been having coffee with members who have some linkage where you could collaborate or you've got resources? Like if you really got to work it, you can't just make the investment and then drop it if you haven't really given it its full chance. So one little caveat there. And then the third point that Kelly's mentioning is overall trends. And I would suggest to you your overall sales too. Even just your top line number, are you growing your sales? Now, of course, there's extra things there. There's costs that go along with it, all that. But I want to keep it simple to start just tracking those three things if you've never been tracking numbers before. 
will give you really good insight and direction when you start looking from a strategic level what you should be adjusting or not. Any additions to that, Kelly? No, I think we're good. I mean, I think just overall, like money in, money out, right? And this is a big thing that I see with a lot of business owners. I mean, I work with people from startup through 50 to $100 million companies. And a lot of business owners get really stuck once they get into multi six figures because they don't have the systems and the structure and the right bookkeeping practices in place. And again, it's because of that mindset that when you're starting really small, you're not big enough to be doing that yet. So the biggest piece of advice that I have overall is treat your business like a business from day one. Focus on the systems. Start building a team. Even if that team is your mom working for you an hour a week, I don't care what that team looks like, but start building a team, right? Treat the business like a business. Start building a team and get the right systems and tracking and reporting in place. I don't care if you have five customers today. You will thank me later. That is the biggest thing that is going to set you up for success in the long term of building a sustainable, profitable business. I agree. And Kelly, where were you when I started my businesses? Because <laughs> <laughs> I was a latecomer in that. And it's harder later. It's so much harder. Yeah. I mean, when you think, okay, I just have a few sales right now or any of that, if you don't have an accounting system yet set up, it's going to be, I mean, I've walked into some of my clients who, oh my gosh, they have retail shops and they're pencil and paper manually tracking all of their sales. To this day, I mean, I thought I would fall over because all of the work to then go back and put it into a system is crazy. And I've been the same thing. I was that hard worker. By golly, I would work myself to the bone because I didn't want to extend any dollars out. I wanted to keep everything for growth. And I don't know, might have been okay to a certain point, but way harder to implement and start building a team later. I want to talk a little bit about something else that you were just mentioning, and that is getting stuck. And I want to relay this over to problem solving. We get stuck with some type of a problem, and that's an excuse not to progress, not to proceed forward. What do you do about problem solving? And how do you make sure that that doesn't be an obstacle that just totally stops your progress? Yeah. Okay. Great, great question. Well, the first and most important thing is to understand that problem solving is one of the most important skill sets of a business owner. And it is a muscle that you build every day from the day that you start your business until the day that you sell, hopefully. And if you put your systems in place and set things up the right way from the beginning, you'll be in a good place to be able to sell. But problem solving is something that a lot of times when people are suffering from a problem in their business, they see it as just a hard stop, right? It's like, I can't get over this hump. I can't get around this. I've been struggling with this for so long. But a lot of times what I find when I'm working with business owners is that it's very limited thinking that keeps us stuck. It's a lack of innovation. It's a lack of an entrepreneurial spirit of being willing to try new things and fail. I always tell the story back in the day, 2013, when I started with Facebook advertising, it was brand new and almost no one was doing it. It was right when pages came out and I went to go on air for a speaking gig. And one of the other business owners there was there and was like, oh, yeah, we we're just kind of talking about what we were doing to grow our business. And she's like, yeah, I just started doing Facebook advertising. And I was like, what? Facebook advertising? What are you talking about? And she told me about it. And I'm like, that sounds really interesting. I'm going to try. 
then I had no idea if I was just going to throw thousands of dollars in the street or if this was going to be the best thing I ever did. But I was like, you know what? This gives me an opportunity to drive new eyeballs to my business every single day. And it was really the catalyst for going from zero to multi six figures in like less than a year because it was giving turbo fuel to my business of putting it on the map and putting it in front of people and getting clients. But if I hadn't been willing to risk trying a new innovative thing that I had no idea how the result was going to go, I would have completely missed that opportunity. So I just think when we talk about problem solving, it's so important that you realize that it's typically our own mindset that has kept us stuck. And problem solving is a skill. It is something that you actually want to set an intention to work on because the more that you work on your ability to solve problems and embrace when you're stuck on something, realizing that it's you that's stuck, it's not the thing that's not working. It's you kind of opening up your mindset, looking at a different approach, trying something new, being inventive, being innovative. You'll begin to realize that any problem that you're facing can be solved. It's just the degree to which you're willing to get out of your own way and come at it from a different direction and have the perseverance and the persistence to keep working at it until you get the result that you want. So I know that's kind of a long answer, but does that make sense? It makes complete sense. And I think what you're talking about, something that we talk about a lot is resourcefulness, is the answers are out there. You just have to find them. And when you do try something, think of it as an experiment, not oh, I tried something and it didn't work, I'm a failure. Let's say your Facebook ads would not have worked. Exactly. Well, I'm quite sure you would have either tweaked them or you would have tried something else or it's just one step along the way. And also, I'll be interested in your opinion. I think you'll agree with me here, Kelly, is what works for one business doesn't necessarily work for your business. So again, back to it's not a failure, it's an experiment. You can take other people's experiences and advice and suggestions but you still have to apply it to your audience, your product, your market, because your market, even if you sell the exact same product, might be different than a buddy of yours who's three states over. It might be totally different customer, even though you have the same product. So all you do is you test it, you evaluate it. Again, we were talking earlier about being strategic and then measuring. And then if it's working, great. If not, mark it off as an experiment and try something else. That's exactly right. And in order to grow quickly and be a leader in your space, you have to always be in the process of testing and trying new things, knowing that eight out of 10 of them may be flops and you'll just fail fast and end them so you don't waste. But two out of 10 are going to be brilliant and they're going to be the thing that takes your business to the next level. And you have to develop that mindset as an entrepreneur in order to become a leader and in order to become the type of CEO that's going to be able to create the profitable growth that allows you to achieve the things that no doubt you had in your mind when you started your business. Yeah. And it's fun and exciting too. Doing the same old thing over and over again becomes boring. Exactly. But again, to your point, it's all about mindset for sure. 100%. Okay, so you have a feel for who our listeners are here. And I'm curious, your business is totally different in the coaching realm. But is there some tool that you've just found recently, or you've been using for a while that you think our listeners might not know about that could be advantageous in terms of productivity or market analysis, something like that? Nothing that is technology driven, but I'll just share one thing that I have my customers do that I think has changed a lot of people's lives. And that is get an index card and write down on the index card the top 10 things that need to happen in your business every single week in order to grow. And then on the flip side of that index card, break those things down into what you can do when you have 15 minutes, 30 minutes, five minutes, two minutes. 
and take those things, divide them out, get on the other side of that index card and carry that index card around with you. Because I think one of the biggest things, Sue, that keeps business owners stuck is the fact that we all have a lot going on, right? Like we have families, we have kids, we have responsibilities, we have sick parents. I mean, the list goes on. And I think a lot of times from a marketing and sales growth standpoint, what stands in people's way is they see this big elephant in front of them of like what they feel like they need to do to take the business to the next level. And because they feel like they can't get their hands around it or can't get long enough segmented, blocked off time to do it, they just don't. And my biggest piece of advice to all of the listeners is get clear on what the most productive 10 actions that you can and should be doing in your business every week are. Get them on that index card, carry it around with you everywhere you go and look for two minutes, five minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes that you can get in some of those activities each week. Don't wait until the perfect time. Don't wait until you have a whole day blocked off because it will never, ever happen. Work with what you've got, fit it into the pockets that you have, and that's going to be your best and fastest path to cash. Wow, that is gold, Kelly. I totally agree. And talking about breaking it down into two minutes, 15 minutes, if you have a big overall task, you can break it into all of these little subunits. And that's, I think, what you're suggesting you put on this index card too. Exactly. Sending a follow-up email, right? This morning, so we had a sales call. We have a sales call with my team every morning, but we were on our sales call this morning and there was a really high dollar customer that one of my team members was looking to close. And we just spent two minutes on the call talking about a strategy for her follow-up this morning. And we just got an email back from the person saying, great, I'm ready to move forward. Thanks. That was one email. If you break it down every day into strategic actions that actually matter, that are going to be impactful for your bottom line, you can take two minutes and send one email. You don't need to sit and wait till you have an hour to send 50 emails. Fit in the one email here. Fit in the one email there. Just get it done with the time that you have. Use your phone, right? And fit it into your life. Fit it into your busy life instead of waiting for the perfect time. And I think that will be, for most people, one of the biggest game changers for creating growth this year. Now, you work with a lot of people who are already established businesses, and you're helping them build the teams, problem solve, pivot so that they can grow. Would you have any words of advice for someone who's listening who is thinking about starting their business? They're at the starting line, but they're waiting for that gun to go off so that they can start. What would you say to them? Well, the gun is not going to go off. That would be what I would say to them. You are the gun. So the biggest thing I would say is just pull the trigger and start doing whatever it is you want to do. So if you want to start a craft business or you have this special product that you want to start selling or whatever, start creating a product and start getting on live streaming and using social to sell it. You don't need a website. You don't need to spend a year talking or planning about what you're doing. You'll learn more in the trenches in a month than you could learn in five years of you trying to plan and prepare and have everything perfect in a vacuum because that's never how anyone learns to build a successful business. So my biggest piece of advice, which this has changed in the last couple of years because this wasn't even available to us, but I would become a maniac with live streaming. If I was starting a new business today and I didn't have any responsibilities and I didn't have anything in front of me, I would just start off by live streaming every day. And that would be how I would build a business. It's simple, it's easy, it's free, and it's effective. Perfect. Love it. Simple, easy, free, effective. Done. All right. As we start to wind down and close up here, Kelly, I'd like to invite you to dare to dream. I'd like to present you with a virtual gift. It's a magical box containing unlimited possibilities for your future. So this is your goal or your dream of almost unreachable heights that you would wish to obtain. Please accept this gift and open it in our presence. What is inside your box? 
Ooh, wow. I just got chills. I think what's inside my box is my ability to work with innovative people all around the world to set up a completely reconstructed university system that is for entrepreneurship where all of your homework assignments, all of your tests, all of everything that you do is actually work that you do in your business. And the only way that you can pass the class is by implementing the thing in your business so that by the time you get done your years of university, you are running a multi six figure business and taking home a substantial salary from that business. Oh, wow. And are you going to create this, Kelly? Yes. Okay. (laughs) Yes. Yay. There you go. Love it. Perfect. You've given us such good information and good advice. If someone wants to know more about you and particularly your podcast as well, give a little promo of where people can find you, your show, what it's about, and anything else you'd like to add. Yeah, definitely. So Unstoppable Success Radio, I do three shows a week. And the whole show is dedicated to helping entrepreneurs go further faster and accomplishing their financial and growth goals in their business. So if you want a short, tangible episodes that give you things to put into action right away, Unstoppable Success Radio is a great resource for you. In terms of connecting with me, I'm on Facebook a lot, Kelly Roach International. I go live there. I interact with my fans and my followers and my email subscribers, and I would love to meet you guys and connect with you. And we do a lot of in-depth training type things on live stream, so that's a great place to connect. And if you head to my website, kellyroachcoaching.com, there are tons. I think there's nine different free downloads of audio, video, and trainings that are on all different topics to help you grow your business. And Gift Biz listeners, you also know there'll be a show notes page with all of the links. So if you didn't capture anything yet and you want to go over and see what Kelly has to offer, just jump over to our show notes page and you'll be able to link through right from there. Kelly, thank you so much. I really appreciate all of your insight. Great, great information for our audience today. So I really appreciate your taking the time with me. Yeah, absolutely. You're an awesome host. Thank you so much for having me. This episode is all wrapped up, but fortunately, your gift biz journey continues. Are you eager to learn more? Our gift biz gal has a free download just for you. Head over to giftbizunwrapped.com slash 12 steps to get your copy of the 12 steps to starting a profitable gift biz. Don't delay. Head over to giftbizunwrapped.com slash 12 steps today. And until next time, happy business crafting.